on Friday, March 26, 2010. A former Georgia State Senator and her husband are found dead in their home in Habersham County, Georgia. The media and the local police are quick to label it a murder-suicide. But was it? Is there something deeper going on here? You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Nancy Schaefer. Welcome to a deep, dark, dark, dank, dank, moist, moist, basement, basement, somewhere in Georgia, the what? Sunshine State. I thought that was Florida. No, it's California, right? Oh. Fuck the final. Who cares? Know, <laughs> the good news is, uh, <laughs> I don't have the Rona. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the other good news is, we got a new patron. <gasps> what? Her name is April Fowler. 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 April Farrah Fowler. I don't know if that's her, but uh, like from the Big Bang Theory, maybe. But she's a three dollar patron. She's gonna get her a decal. Fuck yeah, uh, we love three dollar patrons, sister. <laughs> and I would like to say that uh, our shout out last week, Miss Felicia L. Galindo. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. She upgraded her three dollar to a ten dollar. We love her even more. Yes. Seven, Seven times more. more. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she absolutely. Positively. Is our most favorite now. That's not Well, right. besides George. George is still say, number bro, one. Don't, don't, don't sour her other patrons, bro. No, we're appreciative of all of our patrons. Like, I can honestly say now that we have enough patrons to consider this a part-time job. I think once you. Yeah, we could go eat at McDonald's at least once. Once you make forty dollars or more a month, it's like a part time job, right? Yeah. But Patreon is having to get on board with the rest of society and start charging. They're charging sales tax. What? I don't know. I hadn't read all the fine print, but it's okay. You still we're still in the black because of our patrons. Thanks, Obama. And at least <laughs> at least we will we are paying for the subscription to our hosting site. So now, you have some news on the Facebook front. I do. I'm gonna. We have a brand new recommendation, which is awesome. Gave us a five star recommendation. Her name is Crystal Maria. Thank you so much. Um, she says, and I don't care. I mean, and I quote, I mean, I don't care about the beer, but the subjects they cover are awesome and interesting. The hosts are cool, and I can honestly say that's the first time since 2000 I've been referred to as cool. Which is awesome. 20 years in the making. 20 years. It's amazing. And amazing. Also, because we, we drink a lot and we have short memories, I can't. Re- we both can't remember if we shouted these people out. So we're just going to go ahead and do it again. Uh, on April 21st, we got a five-star recommendation from uh, Leona Kelly Prothero. She said, OMG, I love this. A friend shared with me today and I've already listened to four episodes. Which is awesome. Thank you to her for recommending and listening. And thank you so much for the friend, whomever you are, um, for letting, for uh, giving us a shout out, for giving us a recommendation, rather. And I'm just in a good mood and I can't keep from mumbling. So I'm getting all jabber jawed. Also, a Jordan Ferguson Hollinsworth on April 1st said, Just started following today and I'm hooked. Excited for more to come. I hope that 
we have we did those in the past but if we didn't we did them now so thank you so much for uh for uh listening and giving us a shout out that's awesome thank you to miss joyce brandon she was uber excited to hear coach's voice on our last episode she was very concerned for you it's probably well i mean i don't know if it's so much as concern for me or the fact that <laughs> they didn't like my fill-in they may not have liked uh <laughs> raylan i mean i am I the do, coach i do have the voice of a sultry angel it's like you got a face for radio too i do that's true but when you hear my voice sometimes you'll get the picture of a unicorn you picture it's a unicorn because I'm so majestic with my. <laughs> anyway, let's get to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter this week is. Hold on. There we go. There we go. There we go. Monday Night Bruins Ooh. Taco Tuesday Lager. And this case is in Georgia, so we got to pick one of the many, many breweries in Georgia. Thank you, Monday Night. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Now that's I, I went down the wrong pipe. That is not the Rona coming back. Okay, good. So now let's get to the nitte and the gritte, oh, yeah. which is Miss Nancy Schaefer. And before we get started, both of us—well, that's what I was going to say—we're dumbfounded the, once we started. The most mysterious part of this whole case is the fact that neither one of us had heard about it at the time. We were both living in Georgia. At the time, we were both interested in mysteries, interested in true crime, interested in murder, and neither one of us ever even fucking heard of this. I don't see how that is possible. But it was, and Mrs. Arlo is the one that said, hey, y'all might, y'all might want to do something on Miss Nancy Schaefer. Have you ever heard of her? And I'm like, Well, no, I'm thinking once we get into the conspiracy theories, I think we want to figure out why uh, Mrs. Arlo wanted you to do it, because there's a good chance that they're going to come for us, too. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure my insurance is paid up. Oh, I, she, I guarantee you she knows. She's probably got the policy number memorized. memorized. <laughs> so on March 26, 2010, police from Habersham County, Georgia, reported that they found Nancy Schaefer and her husband, Bruce Schaefer, dead in their home. If you've ever been to Habersham, Georgia, Habersham County, it is beautiful up there. Yes. This is where the Tacoa is, right? And mm-hmm. I went to school in Dahlonega, North Georgia, and... Man, you just can't, for beauty, in the state of Georgia at least, for beauty-wise, you cannot beat northeastern Georgia. It no. is so gorgeous. It is. If you're into the mountains, if you're into trails, if you're into lakes, and just it's just amazing. They find what they say is a murder-suicide, and they are quick to put out that Bruce had shot Nancy and then turned the gun on himself. Uh, One of the Schaefer's daughters unfortunately found them in their bedroom, and investigators, upon arriving, found a suicide note, as well as notes to each of the couple's five children. But what's going to be interesting is they're not going to release these notes. We don't know what they said. No, and it was very quickly released from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, or the GBI, that this is a clear-cut case of murder-suicide, as you will see, and the state agency will close out its investigation after doing a few more interviews and running some toxicology 
test, which are standard procedures in death cases. And this is from John Bankhead, a spokesman with the GBI. And what's going to be curious about this is even before the GBI's investigation even gets started, media outlets are going to begin pronouncing it a murder-suicide. So they're all going to be putting... Not that I'm saying the GBI could be easily influenced by media outlets, but it's just curious that before an investigation has even been conducted, you've already made your... Yeah, before you even get an official autopsy report, they've already decided this is a case closed, this is what happened. I mean, if you didn't dig any further into Ms. Schaefer's life and what she did as a senator, I would be inclined to say, yeah, man, clearly... Yeah, because on the surface, they had a little bit of financial trouble. I think they had some bad investments. It's going to be disputed by the family, by the friends and family about the financial trouble. But it's, it was rumored that they did have some. And I think they were putting their house on the market. But again, that has just, nothing to yeah, do with... Yeah, I mean, with, if, you, if you're putting your house on the market... That just means you're moving. Yeah. It or you're downsizing. Because, I mean, hell, they were what, they were both in their 60s? No, they're in their 70s, okay. I think. So, yeah, I mean, it was a large house in Tacoa. Uh, they lived on a, uh, it was called The Orchard. It was a gated country club that was 15 miles northwest of Tacoa in Habersham County. Their home actually served as Nancy's headquarters for what she had become passionate about after leaving the Georgia State Senate. She wrote frequent online articles on topics as diverse as the Obama administration's healthcare program to the possible biblical significance of solar eclipses. Yeah, she she was seventy three when she was killed. Okay, and they had been married for fifty two years. Yeah, so it's not. I mean, they're living on a gated country club, and they could have just downsized, and it's just too much house for them. That could have been one of the reasons that they had put their house on the. Dude, she she coach and I are in our thirties, and we have a three bedroom house. And it's way too much house for us now. We want, we're looking to downsize because we use our bedroom, the living room, and the kitchen, and that and the bathroom, and that's it. Our basement is only used for uh, podcasting, but we could easily do that in the kitchen. Yeah. And the two spare bedrooms are never used. I have a man cave upstairs that I don't think I've been in in about six months. And the only reason why I did that was I needed to print something off the upstairs computer. I mean, so if you're in your 70s and you're putting your house on the market, it most likely is downsizing because yeah. you're just not getting around the or, way Or I know a lot of, now I know that they have five children, so this would be a little bit more difficult, but a lot of elderly couples will, will put their house on the market to move closer to their grandchildren. Yeah, no doubt. So that is another possibility. So let's get into Nancy's earlier professional career. In 1985, she organized an Atlanta rally for constitutional liberties. A year later, she created the nonprofit Family Concerns Incorporated, a foundation that champions display of the Ten Commandments, fights abortion, and opposes what it considers overly aggressive child custody agencies. In 1988, she worked for Jack Kemp's failed bid for the GOP presidential nomination. In subsequent years, she ran unsuccessfully for the mayor of Atlanta and lieutenant governor and governor of Georgia. Those campaigns raised her profile as a conservative capable of an elegant reply. 
And I will say, after watching her speak, she is very intelligent and elegant in the way that she pre- presents her facts. In 2002, she was a regular in Woman to Woman, a weekly feature representing views from the left and right in the Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. Now, her husband, Bruce, retired in 1996. And like so many other retirees from Atlanta, him and his wife decided to leave the city for the mountains. And that is when her political tenacity would pay off. In 2004, Nancy Schaefer won the first of two elections to the state Senate. In 2008, she lost to Jim Butterworth, who holds the seat to this day. Damn, Jim. I know it. In between, she remained active in other causes. She represented the Southern Baptist Convention at the United Nations conferences she started more nonprofit organizations and became a trustee at Tacoa Falls College. She sang in the choir at the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Tacoa, and she had many devoted friends and some very devoted, bitter enemies. Well, if you don't have enemies and you're a senator, you ain't doing something well, right. You're not, you're not doing anything. Right. <laughs> like, They're going to hate you whether yeah, you... Yeah, exactly. Like You coughed wrong, so... Yeah. Now, her husband kind of was okay taking a back seat to her political career, and he stayed in the shadows. Uh, he was a very tall man with an athletic uh, build. He was a former football player from Clemson that served in the Army, and everyone that met him said he had a smile as big as he was. And you always saw him with her or her with him. You never saw them apart. Now, a Tacoa native, Mr. Robert Buster Smith, states that he saw Bruce on the last Tuesday that he was alive when he stopped by Buster's furniture store. And Buster states that, and I quote, he seemed like his old self. I have a hard time believing this happened like they are saying it happened. Now, this is where we get into... That's basically it. Let, let me back up. <laughs> basically, that is the facts of the case. This is a former Georgia state senator who was found dead in her home along with her husband. And the official reports is this is a murder-suicide with the husband killing the wife and then turning the gun on himself. And with that said... We'll see y'all next week. Thanks for turning in. Deuces. <laughs> Case solved. Actually. But wait. There's more. There's more. Not long after the murder had hit the papers, a Mr. Garland Favorito, founder of the Voters Organized for Trusted Election Results in Georgia, or Vote Georgia, circulated an 11-point, two-page bulletin via the internet stating, this is more obvious that this is a case of murder made to look like suicide. Yeah, the family and friends aren't buying this shit at all. And Mr. Favorito <clears throat> goes on to state that the Schaefers were devout Christians, huge pro-life supporters, 
and they state the fact that Nancy had been delving into an alleged corruption in the Family and Child Services Agency in Georgia, which is which we will refer to in Georgia as DFACS. Mm-hmm. Most other states, it is called Child Protective Services. In Mr. Farito's bulletin, he listed a link to where there is a video on YouTube that shows Miss Schaefer voicing her concerns for Child Protective Services. Now, let me... Please don't shut it off as soon as I say this. Give me a second to explain it. Here we go. She did an interview. Oh, Jesus Christ. On the Alex, Alex Jones uh, show. In Which, to me. 2010. Now, this is before. Before the me- Before the meltdown. He's been meltdown. Yeah, but this is before he stated that the frogs liquid. were gay. That's, my, that's where I go meltdown. This is before he stated if, frogs were gay. If that is where you, I'm not very. I, I don't watch. I know you he's know out there. for a fact that you fucking listen to Alex, Alex Jones. You know you do. No, I, know I have you never do. listened to his show. I watched. Um, What's the governor of Jesse Ventura? I watched Ventura's show where like, he always contacted Alex. I, I do like Jesse Ventura though. I did watch that conspiracy theories. That's the only reason I know who Alex Jones was. And then, hell, we could do an episode on Alex Jones. Is he really Alex Jones or is he the comedian? Uh, Bill Hicks. You know, listen. All right. Small tangent here. I was like, what the fuck ever? But I'll tell you what. <laughs> they do look alike. And they do sound alike. And they have some of the same mannerisms. And Alex Jones came on the scene right about the time Bill Hicks died. But here's the thing. They do not, they're nowhere near on the same spectrum, like, philosophically. No, 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 like, I agree. So, if if that conspiracy theory is true. He did a paradigm he, shift. He, yes, for sure. He yeah. definitely did a paradigm shift. So, getting back to Miss Shepard. I love Bill H- No, 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 we're still on it. <laughs> getting back to Miss Get back to Miss No. I love Bill Hicks. There is a montage. No, I, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I thought I was like, <laughs> Don't keep going on Nancy Schaefer. We're talking about Bill Hicks, man. He's a fucking genius. He was. He was hilarious. And, and there like, is a montage that shows him doing some of his stand up and then cutting to Alex doing some of his early radio mm-hmm, stuff. And that, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's uncanny. One of the things that, you know, I do not advocate the use of drugs at all. I hate drugs. I, man, I know alcohol is a drug and that's a bad one. And, you know, we've slowed down quite a bit. But Alex Jones, I mean, Alex Jones. Bill Hicks had a joke. He was like, you know, drugs have done good things in this world. He's like, you don't believe me? I'll prove it. He said, think about any song you've ever heard written by any artist ever in the history of your life. Any song that's been meaningful to you. The person that wrote it, really fucking high on drugs. (laughs) Yeah. And I was thinking back, like, yeah, except for that time I liked that Garth Brooks song. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go ahead. All right, so let's get into Miss Schaefer's. And I did convince Coach to actually watch the Alex Jones interview on I, I didn't. YouTube. I didn't do it. I and he good. didn't do I it. I pulled it up, but I didn't hit play. <laughs> and I watched it. And I will say, he does, at the end, Alex has some 
of his normal no. bullshit at the end. But he does no. a good job of asking her questions and letting her really take on the whole interview. So with that said, there is a couple of videos out there where uh, you can see that interview. Now, there is another. Now, I will, I will say this, especially at that time. He was an outlet for anyone to a whistleblower, pretty yeah. much be a whistleblower for anything, whether it be true, whether it not be true, whether it be crazy or, you know, something that people in power would want to cover up. He was actually an outlet for a conservative to do something like that. So I will give him credit for it. And he himself he's, he's has still crazy. He is shit, crazy though. as shit. He himself had a couple of. I think shows where he was calling Child Protective Services in Texas, where he was located at the time, the Gestapo. And he, here's here's the thing. One more thing about Alex Jones. I watched this video where he infiltrated Bohemian Grove. And if you listen to all those conspiracy theories on Bohemian Grove and what Bohemian Grove, blah, 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 here's the thing. He released that video. He made money off that video. So he proved one of two things. One. Bohemian Grove ain't shit. It's just a bunch of rich fuckers doing nothing. And there's no real conspiracy behind it other than it just being a private club. Or he was fucking in on it and he's part of it and they let him do it. So that's one of the two things. So Yeah, I agree with if, you. I mean it wasn't So I mean honestly, if 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 Bohemian Grove if the conspiracy theories of Bohemian Grove are true and they didn't kill him for releasing that video then he's, he's in. in on it. Right. If he's not in on it, then Bohemian Grove's just a stupid private club where people do crazy shit with owls. Yeah. <laughs> now, there are some other videos on YouTube that show her speaking at a conference. I think there are like six and eight minutes a piece. Uh, I think somebody has pieced them together. And basically, she would go and speak at any of these conferences dealing with reuniting families now before the Schaefer's death they were receiving death threats that had began to become more and more frequent however there was no indication from Bruce of him being under any kind of stress that would cause him to snap and commit murder-suicide well one senator is Another senator is going to imply that he he had cancer and he was depressed and he was he just was too distraught that he was going to die so he took his wife's life. But it's been reported that his cancer was in remission. Right. So even if I mean you're in your seventies, you're going to get so distraught over your cancer that you're going to murder your wife too. Yeah, I don't get that either. That that doesn't hold water to me. Now, there is an Atlanta Journal-Constitution article that revisits this case, and we will put the link to that on our social media. But the author states... No, we won't. We'll forget to, and you know it. I put one of the other ones on there. I got one out of two last time. <laughs> I've, I've gone back. I know. I've listened Everything to some of our said. episodes, and I'm just like... Nobody else is calling us out. Does that mean we only have 12 listeners? Like, we didn't post that. You said you was going to. All right, now... Nancy was completing a video or a documentary exposing the lack of oversight in George's defects, she, as well as the 
Child Protective Services nationally. She's going to uncover some pretty damning evidence. Damning stuff. Three very big ones in particular. And I'll just go ahead and list it. Um, the defects in Georgia housed in foster uh, housed children in a foster home with a known pedophile who molested the children. Yeah, in a home of eighteen defects children. Yeah, it, they put eighteen children in the care of a known child molester. That's fucking crazy. Uh, the defects in Harrisham County failed to remove six children from a home where they were being abused and tortured even though DFACS knew this was going on. She also uncovered, uncovered uh, DFACS in Georgia turned two girls over to a California father who, who had a pornographic video business. Well, I mean... He is in California. But I'm saying, if it's like regular porn, if I mean... If, like, yeah, I mean, there, there's... There's porn stars with children? All the time. Yeah. And we'll get into those specific cases a little more in depth in a second, but... Oh, I did. I, I jumped the gun again? No, 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 you're oh, fine. No, 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 no. I'll just be over here and be quiet. No, 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 you're this fine. This is the Arlo show. <laughs> people, don't, people don't turn tune in for me. Now, <laughs> William Wilkie Fane is supposedly the video producer that Nancy used for her documentary. He's not the pornographer? No. We want to make that clear. Yes. William Wanky Fane. Wilkie, not Wanky. Oh, wanky. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No wonder you got confused. <laughs> he found Captain Winky. But Mr. Fane, along with several other friends, would corroborate that Bruce had complained of investment losses and supposedly they had a foreclosure notice on their home, but I could not find any record of that. Well, in uh, complaining of investment losses, this was right at the doesn't necessarily. This was the housing bubble, wasn't it? Yeah, in twenty ten. Yeah, it's two thousand eight when that happened. Yeah, so they're, um, we're on the backside of it. Well, but still, I mean, what type of investments are we talking about? If you're well off enough to have investments, you're diversified. Usually, you're probably pretty diversified, especially at their age. But we don't know if it's a property investment. We don't know if it's stock investment. We that's not stated, but still. The fact that I'm, my poor ass has stocks. I mean, I'm invested in a lot of things, and I got no money. So, I don't complain. About, well, I just contradict my goddamn self. Yeah, Let's did. edit that out. You've got stocks, <laughs> but by no means are you worried. I got like $2,000 in stock. <laughs> okay, let me just correct myself. I got a Charles Schwab account, and there's not been a single motherfucker contact me because I don't have enough money in it for them to care. Right. <laughs> Okay, so let's get let's dive headfirst in the deep end of Nancy's child protective services corruption that didn't, she uncovered. Didn't I cover that already? Okay, that's it. Uh, <laughs> if y'all please tune in next week and uh, let us know what you think. All right, go ahead and repeat what I've already said. She would state that one weekend she interviewed thirty-seven families. Jesus, that's a long weekend. With fifty other families waiting outside of the church where she was interviewing them in her district to speak on the atrocities that they had endured through defects in Georgia. In 2002, the Census Bureau stated that $40 billion in transfers were made between households and defects, which means foster care households and defects. Wow. The money 
is 100% taxpayer money and under the control of family court judges. I pay my tax. An order was placed Mm -hmm. to CPS for a particular child like you would order a car is what Nancy uncovered. Wow. You could contact at this time the DFACS office in your county and say, I'm looking for a Asian child or I want a blonde-haired, blue-eyed three-year-old and they would find you one. And it turned her stomach. So that's what she stated as what got her down the road. She also stated that this was all in the system with the Adoption and Safe Families Act of 1974 that was championed by Walter Mondale. It was reauthorized in 1997 where in the reauthorization it offered cash bonuses for every child adopted out of state to foster care for that DFAX office. How much bonuses are we talking about? I'm going to get into that. I mean, is it worth my while? Yeah. I ain't got no kids. In order to receive these bonuses, local DFAX offices need more children. And so, therefore, they would start taking children away for some very minute offenses. Oh, man. Okay. I get Oh, that is fucking terrible. The one, there is several that she listed. One, a lady had her children removed because the defects worker walked by her car and saw an unopened can of beer in the back seat and removed both her children. If that's all it takes to get your kids removed, your boy should have been gone a long time ago. Long, long, time, long ago. time ago. Dang, man. Yeah, it's it, it. She lists a lot of of more fucked up situations than that. But let's get into the cash bonuses. Some counties were offering anywhere between four and six thousand dollar bonuses for each child adopted out to a foster home, and if that child was classified as special needs or under the influence of psychotropic drugs, you got an additional two thousand dollar bonus. Nationally speaking, 67% of all children in foster care are under the influence of some type of psychotropic drug. Yeah, this will turn your stomach six ways from Sunday. This is such a huge... I don't either. I don't know, man. I guess we were... We just had our head up our asses looking for more Murray. Uh, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) There is a baseline for adoptions per state based on population. And if you exceed that baseline, that is where the money starts to roll in and it rolls in faster and heavier. This was such a big big idea. This was such a big problem that it attracted the attention of Anonymous. And whether or not you agree with what Anonymous does or not... I 100% agree with what Anonymous does. You do not want them... Looking at you. If you happen to be in Anonymous, I know that you guys are fucking skilled hackers. I know it because I've seen what you've done. For the love of God, student loans. <laughs> student I will give you my social security loans. number now. <laughs> you want to stimulate the economy. People are like, well, people can't get student loans. You, you, you took it out and you should be able to pay it back. Listen, 
I took that money out when I was 18 years old. You think I knew anything about anything when I was 18 years old? I didn't know shit about fuck my man. And I got out of school. I got my master's degree in 2010. I've been paying my student loans for freaking 10 years. There's one of them in particular that I have been paying every month. Every month. And I owe more than what I took. I owe. I still owe more than what I took out. It's it's a racket, man, and it's not fair. It is like legalized loan sharking. It is. It one hundred percent. It's is. like car title pawn for education. And you struggling small business owners who would net, but well, they went to school. They should pay for it. I can tell you what, there, Skippy, you cancel my student loans. I'm getting a brand new car. I'm paying off my credit cards, and I'm coming to your small business, and I'm going to buy me a gun. I'm going to buy me some tools. I'm going to fucking, I will stimulate the shit out of this economy. economy. Because, man, that takes well over half my paycheck. Yeah, I agree. It's student loans. Yeah. Well over. Student loans is the biggest form of debt that I have, bigger than my house. And that, well, that's all the, (laughs) I got one. My problem with this credit. I have one credit card I haven't paid off. And my house and my student loans. And my student loans are way more than my house. My way student more. loan payment's more than my wife's brand new car payment. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. We're getting off our soapbox. No, well, I think people like our soapboxes. But let's get back on the anonymous that's thing. That's how we stretch this shit out. <laughs> like, we, we've not been funny and insightful lately. We've just been just the facts, ma'am. And <laughs> like, I think people like when we go off, and they're like, "What the fuck are they talking?" Oh yeah, that's right. They're, they're talking, talking about, about something serious. This is a true crime, true, true, true crime, true, true crime trace. So if you have attracted the attention of anonymous, you have fucked up. And when they weigh in, and they don't do one video on how corrupt you are and how this is unheard of for her to have been killed by her husband. They do two videos on it. Wow. And they state in both of them that this whole process that she uncovered was basically a legal human trafficking mafia that had unlimited power and zero accountability. And I could not agree with any other statement after looking into this case. Now, let's get into there were actually bounties on children there was a formula that was used that multiplied by the state baseline adoption number. With that formula, there was an overwhelming sense in the DFACS offices to increase the number of adoptions. Nancy would state that in some offices, they had a number that they must get adopted by the end of the calendar year to obtain more federal funds. This is basically like walking into your local car dealership and looking at the sales board. See, this is why you're an invaluable piece of this puzzle for this podcast, because I had three bullet points. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's enough. I was like, man, I got three. I typed them out. <laughs> Go ahead. Now, some children were taken directly from the hospital, no more than one to two days old, and put into foster care. Now, another little sidebar. I know a lady that would help get children adopted, finding them a home that were coming from drug-addicted mothers, young mothers that didn't want the baby but didn't want to go through the hassle 
of trying to do the adoption legally. So I know of one. That means that just in this little county alone, I know of one person that was doing that. There's many, many more, and they have nefarious, nefarious motives. But anyway. I love how every time when you use a big word, you tend to repeat it. Nefarious, nefarious. <laughs> falsifying, falsifying. <laughs> fabrication, <laughs> fabrication. <laughs> All right, on a serious note, caseworkers and social workers were fabricating forms. They were withholding information about the child's real family, and they were falsifying documents to make sure that the parental rights were taken away from these families. Parents were then left at the mercy of defects with defects stating that it was in the best interest of the child to be taken. And this is not the case because there was a law that was written that states on the premise that the child would be taken from their legal mother and father guardians. They are supposed to be turned over to a remaining family member. And this was not happening when Nancy started investigating this. There were several cases where family members say a grandparent would contact defects and state that the children are being neglected because they knew their daughter or son or son-in-law, daughter-in-law, was under the influence of drugs, and they wanted those children out of there. Well, CPS would step step in, and instead of taking those children and giving it to the grandparents, they would find something wrong with the grandparents' house, deny them access to the children, and then adopt them out to a non-family member. And there is a policy that states a family member must be sought out. This policy was disregarded because of that amount of money that we went over earlier, the four to $6,000 per child that they got when they got them adopted. Now, touching on one of Coach's bullet points, it was the case where a grandmother contacts Nancy, and she goes over this in one of the videos on YouTube. And she also goes over it in great detail in some of the documents on her website. But basically, she was trying to obtain custody of her two granddaughters. The two granddaughters had been taken from her daughter, who lived in uh, Nancy's district. The daughter was told wrongly that if she wanted to see her children again, she would sign a paper and give up her children. And this was a young mother who didn't know any better, And so she was frightened and did that. And basically, she signed her rights away to those children and had no idea what she had just done. She, Nancy, had discovered that a lot of parents were often threatened into cooperation of permanent separation if they did not sign some of these forms. The children were then taken to another county and placed in foster care in that county. The foster parents were told wrongly that they could adopt the children. So not only are they lying on the front end, they are lying on the back end. The grandmother in question jumped through every hoop that defects said she had to to get her granddaughters. And if you're already a grandmother and you're capable of jumping through hoops, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, especially I mean, at that age. She must have been an athlete when she was younger. It must have been. <laughs> 
multi-sport athlete. (laughs) When the case finally came to court, it was made evident by one of the foster parents' children that the foster parents had, at any given time, 18 foster children in that home in the lower level of the home. They had divided the lower level of the home up into 18 separate little rooms where they kept the children. And not only were they ha- did they have 18 kids in that house, the caseworker over all 18 kids was a registered pedophile. <laughs> so this comes to light in the court in front of a juvenile judge. And this juvenile judge put on a show acting as if she could not believe what she had just heard and stated that she would have those children removed from that home very quickly. And so, at the end of it, DFAC states that they would remove the children and they would be with the grandmother within a week. After 10 days, the children were still in the home and were not removed. After 15 days, they were still in the home and not removed. And then late, late one night, the grandmother who lives just on the other side of the Georgia-Florida line in Florida receives a phone call and is told to meet at the state line at a specific hour and she could pick up her grandchildren. And when she arrives, the children get out of a defects car. They have nothing with them except the clothes on their back, which happens to be filthy, and one of them were not wearing any shoes. Wow. After only being with the grandmother for two to three days, the same judge that stated that they would be removed from the home quickly, out of the blue, writes a new order and sends the girls to their father, who previously had left them with the mother and did not want anything to do with them. And this is the father that lived in California and was in the adult entertainment business. Hmm. His girlfriend at the time worked as an escort, and his brother, who also worked in the adult entertainment business, had a sexual charge brought against him. Within a couple of days, the father was knocking on the grandmother's door in Florida and took the girls kicking and screaming back to California. Wow. Then it comes to light that the father developed an unusual relationship with the former foster parents... And moved back to the southeast. What you mean by unusual? I'll let you use your, your little mind on that one. I'm thinking he kept going back over to the house. To do what? Sexual things. Unfortunately, yes. I don't want to even go down that rabbit hole, but I'm. you can use your imagination. Ugh, my imagination's horrible. Yeah, especially in this situation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the foster parents began driving to the Foz... the father's residence and picking the girls up for quote visits the oldest child had told her mother and her grandmother on two different occasions that the foster father had molested her to this day the grandmother does not have visitation privileges and neither does the mother are you kidding? No. Oh, my God. And and Nancy goes on to state that the little girls, in her opinion, are permanently traumatized. Yeah, how could along, they not be? Along with the, 
the little the young mother and this breeds what Nancy states is in cases like this across the state of Georgia you have parents who feel like there's nothing else they can do and they commit suicide because they feel like they have failed their children who committed suicide the biological parents both of them in certain cases, oh, yes. Oh, oh, Not I'm, in this case. I, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. In, so in, in cases similar to this. I got you, I got you. I'm they you. get to where they feel like they have failed them so bad that it's just better off that they... That's just terrible, man. It's awful, man. Now, Nancy would go on to state, in one county in Georgia, a private drug testing business was operating within the agency's department that required several drug tests from the parents. Yeah, of course, because you're a private company and individuals in the adoption process, and they were making money hand over fist. Yeah, yeah that's exactly why you would require many drug tests, because you're getting paid. It's like in uh, the county that I worked for as a teacher. Mysteriously, they had an HR director retire, but within six months, his drug testing and fingerprint business was the only business that you could use when you reapplied for your teaching certificate. Hmm. It's funny how that shit works. It's crazy, but anyway, I digress. So it had made over $100,000. The drug testing company had made over $100,000 in six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have guessed that? And then once light was shined on this, they fired several employees in that office. Can you imagine? <laughs> However, they were rehired in neighboring counties with defects and started the whole process over again. According to the calls that Nancy received while she was investigating this, the conditions in the county in question were returning to the same practices they had before light was shown on their nefarious contracts. Having worked with approximately 300 cases statewide, and hundreds and hundreds across the nation in every state, she is convinced there is no responsibility and no accountability in child protective services systems. And she writes a report when she's a senator. And she has several, several bullet points that she goes over, and we're going to hit the highlights of those. These, those, weren't the, those weren't the highlights? No. Oh, wow. In her report, she states that DFACs in the state of Georgia and Child Protective Services across the country target very poor families because they are usually uneducated, ignorant on the law facts, and do not have the money to hire lawyers. And she states being poor and ignorant is not a sign that you are not a good parent, and neither is it a sign that you do not love your child. Now, she states that all parents are capable of making mistakes and that making a mistake does not mean your children are to be removed from your home. Even if the home is not perfect, it is the home. And that's where a child is the safest and where he or she wants to be is with family. She states that the parenting classes, anger management classes, counseling referrals, therapy classes, all these things that defects demands of parents with no compassion by the system concerning the parent's work schedule, the children's school schedule, or anything in between, and the fact that parents sometimes are required to pay for all of those that I just mentioned 
and that this process can take months or even years to complete devastates emotionally and financially both the children and the parents. The parents are victimized by the system, which in in turn victimizes the children and gives out bonuses for not returning the children to their parents. In very few cases, she found that caseworkers and social workers were not guilty of fraud. She stated that she had numerous, numerous cases of both social workers and caseworkers that would withhold and destroy evidence, fabricate evidence, so that they could seek to terminate parental rights unnecessarily and get the child adopted out of the state. She said that it's legally snatching children and is a growing business because local governments have grown accustomed to having this influx of more and more taxpayer dollars to balance their ever-expanding budgets. She says that if you dispute anything that she has gone over in her articles or her videos, that you should go to your open records request clerk at your local county government and look at who is getting paid when these children are being adopted. Yeah. This is far. This is so messed up, man. So just to go back on this a little bit, if you have a child that is adopted, that local defects agency is getting $4,000 along with the foster parent. If it's a younger child, they can get up to $6,000. If it is a younger child that is classified as special needs, that high-end number, six, goes to eight. If that younger child is old enough to take psychotropic drugs, that eight goes to ten. And that's just one child. And they keep that process going. Now, the funding continues as long as the child is officially out of their home. There is funding for the foster parents when the child is placed with them. And then there is also new adoption bonus funds that are available to the DFACS offices. Nancy would go on to use this report and all the bullet points that we have discussed thus far, along with the other ones that we're not covering, to introduce State Bill or Senate Bill 415. And she was basically shunned by all of her fellow senators. And it never got out of the Judicial Committee. She was cut off at every juncture when she would try to go and, vi and visit with other state senators to get them to sign on to her bill. And she stated that legislators and even the governor's office would remind her of who funds their paychecks. Nancy would state that the National Center on Child Abuse and Neglect in 1998 reported that six times as many children died in foster care than in general public. And that Wait, once repeat that. I'm, yeah. Repeat that, please. The National Center on Child Abuse and Neglect in 1998 reported that six times as many children died in foster care Jesus. than in the general public. And that once removed to official, quote, safety, these children are far more likely to suffer abuse, including sexual molestation than in any other general population. Golly. Think about how high that number was when she saw it, which would have been almost 10 years later. Now, according to her research, 
the California Little Hoover Commission report in 2003. What? That's a mouthful. No, no, no. The what? Little, little Hoover Commission oh, report. Oh, I thought she said Little Hoovers. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus, man, how uh, insensitive could you possibly I'm be? Very, I'm very insensitive. Little Hoovers. Little Hoovers. The Little Hoover Commission report in 2003 stated that 30% to 70% of the children in California group homes do not belong there and should not have been removed from their homes. 30 to 70%. Dang. What the? So basically half. Basically, it's just ripe with corruption. So Nancy closes her report stating, I have witnessed such injustice injustice and harm brought to so many families that I am not sure if I even believe reform of child protective services is possible. The system cannot be trusted. It does not serve the people. It obliterates families and children simply because it has the power to do so. Children deserve better. Families deserve better. It's time to pull back the curtain, set our children and families free. And she, her last quote is from Proverbs 31 eight and nine and it says speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute speak up and judge fairly defend the rights of the poor and the needy wait de- defend the rights of the poor and the needy that's in the oh okay it's crazy isn't it? I'm, well i'm just saying i hear different stuff from, i know you do i hear i hear other things from other so-called people yeah what was that one? What, what's the what's the Bible verse again? I'm going to write that down. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. Okay. I got that. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to bring that to the attention of some people. All right. So the last two, and this may or may not be some of um, Coach's bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> but Nancy includes these two cases as exhibits at the end of her report. I'm sorry, that was funny. <laughs> so she states that de- this was in December or on December fifth, two thousand six, and this is called Jeremy's story. And these all these names are changed. And this was told to Nancy by the foster parent of young Jeremy, and she had Jeremy in custody for two and a half years. And this is her speaking. She says, my husband and I received Jeremy when he was two weeks old, and we have been the only parents he has really ever known. He lived with us for 27 months. Redacted out is the name of the grandfather of Jeremy. And he is known for molesting his own children, for molesting Jeremy, and has been court-ordered not to be around Jeremy. Again, the mother's name has been redacted, and it states... Blank is the mother of Jeremy who has been diagnosed to be mentally ill and also is known to have molested Jeremy. People, we're talking about a two and a half year old. Please keep this in mind as I read this. Another name that is redacted is Jeremy's uncle. He is a registered sex offender. Those people deserve to be drug out in the street and shot. Yes. And the grandfather is his biological father who is a drug addict an alcoholic, and continues to be in and out of jail. Having just described Jeremy's world, all of these adults are not to be in any part of Jeremy's life. Yet, for years, Defects has known that they are. 
DFAX had to test the grandfather, the uncle, and determine who was the real father. Oh, my God. Blank name is the biological father, although any of them might have been. In court, it appeared from the case study that everyone involved knew that this little boy had been molested by his family family members, even his own mother. The mother admitted to having sex with the grandfather, her own brother, and the uncle of Jeremy. Defax gave Jeremy to the grandmother at court. The grandmother is unable to drive, unable to take care of herself, is in excess of 300 pounds, and does not have any means of taking care of Jeremy due to her own physical problems. She has also been in and out of mental hospitals several times due to her behavior. Even though it was ordered by the court that the grandfather, the uncle, and the mother, and the biological father not have anything to do with the child, they would come and go from the grandmother's house as they would, as they pleased. And this is where the judge and defects basically sentenced Jeremy to live. The residence in question has no bathroom, no heat. The front doors and windows are all boarded. The, sh- the home should have been condemned years ago. No child should ever have to live like this or with such people. Jeremy was taken from us, the foster parents, at age two and a half. We obtained an attorney who was the same attorney who represented him in a larger settlement from an auto accident. I am told that the attorney, as grandfather's attorney, is known to have repeatedly gotten the grandfather out of and off from several criminal charges in White County. This is a matter of record and is known by many in White County. The grandfather, the grandfather's attorney, got the uncle, the grandmother of Jeremy, legal custody of Jeremy, and the mother has visitation rights. The grandfather, who cannot read or write, also got his daughter and his son diagnosed by the government as mentally ill so that they receive government checks every month. Just the words diagnosed by the government. It's like, I don't know. Just That don't sound right to me. It sure don't. <laughs> but I know it's like a government psychologist or whatever, but still. Just those words. She goes on to state it was during this time that Jeremy was to have six-month transitional period between the grandmother and the adopted family. The court-ordered agreement was to have been four days at the adoption house and three days at the grandmother house. DFAC stopped the visits within two weeks. The reason DFAC stopped the visits was because the child was too traumatized going back and forth. In truth, Jeremy was traumatized and begged and screamed for us to never take him back to his grandmother's house, which we have on video. We as a family have seen Jeremy in stores from time to time with the grandmother and the very people he is not to be around. At each meeting, Jeremy continues to run to us whenever and wherever he sees us, and it is clear he is suffering. 
The child is in a desperate situation, and this is why I am writing you, Senator Schaefer, and begging you to do something on this child's behalf. Jeremy can clearly describe in details his sexual molestation by every member of the family, and the sexual abuse continues to this day. I'm not going to get into the it gets worse, but basically she has to take this young man to a doctor because of damage to his backside. Oh, my God. At age five. And he oh. had to spend two months somebody in therapy needs to f- Oh my God. at Eggleston. So, yeah, somebody needs to die. Yeah. Um, the uncle was found out to be shooting Jeremy with a baby gun repeatedly. Please, please tell. Oh man, and it gets please worse. Tell me that's not true. No, I swear to God, dude, this is awful. Why are we talking about this? Anyway, um, <laughs> I will post a link to her PDF version of this, and you can read the rest of it. Oh, they also tortured Jeremy by beating his feet so that he could not walk or run away. And also, you can't see him. Mm-mm. That's a two-for-one special. That's a old cop trick. Yeah. And that's just Exhibit A. Uh, the other one is Exhibit B. This one is a lot shorter, and so we will read it in its entirety. And it goes on to say that defects failed to remove six children in desperation. And this was in Habersham County, and the DFACS director failed to remove, by order of the sheriff of Habersham County, Sheriff DeRay Fincher. Sheriff Fincher, Chief of Police Don Ford, and Chief Investigator Lieutenant Greg Bowen called Nancy Schaefer, which she returned the phone call after she contacted the director of Habersham County DFACS several times to remove six children from being horribly abused. Finally, they had gotten a court order to remove the children, and Sheriff Fincher, along with two other police officers, went to the residence. The children, four boys and two girls, were not just being abused, they were being tortured by their monster father. The six children and a live-in girlfriend were terrified of this man. The children never slept in a bed, always on the floor. The place where they lived was unfit for human habitation. The father, on one occasion, hit one of the boys across his head with a bat and cut the boy's head open. The father then proceeded to hold the boy down and sew up his child's head with a needle and red thread and no anesthetic. However, even with the beatings and burnings, this is only a fraction of what the father did to the children and the live-in girlfriend. Sheriff Fincher has pictures of the abuse and condition of one of the boys, and at the writing of this decree and report, he has the father in jail in Habersham County. It should be noted, when the DFACS director found out that Sheriff Fincher was going to remove the children, she called the father and warned him to run. This is not the only time that the DFACS director failed to remove the the children or warn the father of impending jail time. This egregious act and abhorrent behavior of officials who are supposed to be protecting children can no longer be tolerated. I, Senator Schaefer, 
discovered that there are people who call and order children from Habersham County. Jesus, man. Uh, we got to stop, like... Uh, yeah, the, the last thing that I have in this... We uh, can't keep going, man. This is just too terrible, dude. Yeah, we'll get into the, the theories, but the last thing I had that she had uncovered, basically, there was two things that she... Well, actually, three things that she uncovered while she was doing her investigation that was outside of the state of Georgia. She states that the head of the FBI in California stated that he went undercover to an actual auction of children in child protective custody in Nevada at a warehouse. She states that some states have children listed on websites and you can peruse the files to see which child you would like to adopt and click on their pictures. She states that in the state of Texas in 2016, workers for Child Protective Services have been charged with assault, burglary, DWI, theft, domestic violence, indecent exposure, prostitution, possession of cocaine, possession of marijuana, and selling alcohols, and selling alcohol to minors. More than 370 Texas child, protect, child Protective Service workers have a criminal background. One worker, a Child Protective Services supervisor, which we will call John, was charged with assault with bodily injury and violating a protective order. Another employee that we will call Ricky was arrested for indecent exposure and soliciting sex from an undercover police officer. Do you think either one of those pieces of shit lost their job? Uh, no. No, they didn't. Wow. Now, this is where we get into some of the theories part. And the theory, the main theory, states that Nancy Schaefer was killed due to uncovering a high-level pedophilia ring in Georgia that she continued to investigate and track after losing her Senate seat. She soon discovered in her research that this ring was trafficking children to other states and other countries. She had just finished a documentary that was going to expose a list of high-ranking government officials, not only in Georgia, but throughout the country, that were involved in a trafficking and pedophilia ring. This is the reason most people point to her and her husband's death as a murder. This is pre-Pizzagate. And I know that there is a lot of people out there that do not believe or do believe and have very strong opinions on whether it does or does not exist. We're not here to discuss that or mm-hmm. fight it. We, I am mm-hmm. just saying that she found out of a small one in Georgia. And if they are as powerful as this rabbit hole that we've chased this week is... They had her killed. Not the state of Georgia, not DFACS, not Child Protective Services. Moving humans is a big business, whether they're children or whether they're adults. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, sex trafficking is a very prominent thing in this country, unfortunately. Now, another theory is the reason, another theory that points to this being a murder and not suicide. And this is a little what the hell is going on in this one. Both Nancy and Bruce were shot with a weapon that was untraceable. 
which leads me to believe that the serial number had been removed or when you typed it into a database, came up as a false number. Mm -hmm. This handgun was a larger caliber than a handgun that Bruce owned that investigators found at his home. Mm -hmm. All of the Schaefer's children are on record stating that they had never seen this weapon before or even heard their father speak of owning a weapon of that caliber. Someone, I'm figuring anonymous is who found this news nugget out, said that this weapon was originally shipped to a dealer from the manufacturer in a remote part of southern Florida in 1982. Mysteriously, the ownership records of such handgun have been destroyed, which is a federal crime. Hmm. The case file on the Schaefer's does not state a theory on why Bruce would go and buy an unregistered gun, come home and use it after he get, became depressed and sh to shoot his wife and then himself. Why would he do that when he owned a handgun in the home already? That's a great question. The suicide notes supposedly show that Bruce would have had to have written those notes after shooting Nancy, and it would have taken quite a bit of time, and by quite a bit of time, excess of an hour before turning the weapon on himself. Crazily, all of the evidence taken from the Schaefer's crime scene was accidentally destroyed due to a clerical error. Hmm. Even the weapon that killed the Schaefer's and the documentary that she had completed that was going to be released within three to four weeks. Well, I mean, if you're going to believe in conspiracy theories, this might be the one to believe in. And they were not going to release this documentary to YouTube. This was going to be a network TV release. And the conspiracy theory gets a little even better because the title was said to be Exposing the Horrors of Defects in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And the production or producer, a Mr. William Fain, states that the documentary details, among other things, the rape of a two-and-a-half-year-old that was in custody by a well-off doctor by the doctor's son that defects ignored along with all the evidence and paperwork of several other cases where child rape was being performed. Jesus. Right, Since man. her, yeah, this is it. We Since got it. We her. Got we got, I'm like, I am livid. <laughs> like, I'm just so angry right now. It's not even funny. Since her death, Mr. William Fain, the producer of the documentary, has never spoken of the documentary again. On his IMDb portfolio, in his company portfolio, there is no record. And if you ask Mr. Fain about the documentary, he will say that he has no recollection of ever seeing or ever talking about a documentary. But Anonymous says otherwise. Anonymous points to a interview that was 40 minutes long that he had with Alex Jones on Alex Jones's radio show after Nancy's death where he details most of the cases 
the production and the release date. So, yeah, somebody got to Mr. Fane. Wow. Now, we get into our theories. My theories is this is bullshit. This is messed up, man. My theory is, I agree with you, that we need to go find all of these people, whether they're still alive or not. If they're dead, we dig them up and kick the shit out of them. Yeah. Agreed. I have no use for anyone that hurts a child or... No. Nothing. There's nothing. Uses a child as a means as of, of employment. Oh, man. I'm just pissed right now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm mad. And to be honest with you, in my research, it got a lot worse and a lot more graphic if you want to even get even madder. But I do recommend that you read her report along with both of the exhibits that she puts at the end. I recommended you watch the the anonymous page, too. Okay, you want a theory? You know, there's several reasons why this can't be a murder-suicide. I mean, you can't tell me the... um, You can't tell me that... I found an article... That's going to list 11 reasons why the family believes that she, they did not, this was not a murder-suicide. So I'm going to say this as my theory to contest the murder-suicide theory. I don't know about conspiracies. I don't know if it was this huge pedophile ring. I don't know if it's one person in defects that was pissed off, that was thinking they're going to go down. I don't know that. But I do agree with these 11 reasons why they did not do this. And this is from uh, com is where I found this. One, it is totally against Nessie Schaefer's consistently strong commitment to the sanctity of life principles that she's fought so valiantly to uphold. Okay, maybe. But it was, if, if he killed her, that, if he killed her, that do doesn't have anything to do with yeah. it. But, okay, moving on. Two, Nancy and her husband, Bruce, have five children and more than a dozen grandchildren who they would not choose to leave behind so abruptly. Agreed. Three, Bruce's problem with cancer was corrected and under control, so there was no reason to end his life as one senator tried to imply. Four, Nancy and Bruce would not likely agree to commit such an act that violates the fundamental principles of their Christian faith. Five, Bruce was retired, and the couple did not appear to be in any type of dire financial crisis that would lead them to commit such acts. Six, Bruce and Nancy knew that her sister, who had Alzheimer's disease, needed her help to take care of her. That is a good one. Yes. You're not going to agree to take care of someone. But again, if Bruce killed Nancy... But he, I, I, if, if, I see where the author's coming from because I, no, this, Bruce, is not, this is not the author. This is the author is reporting what has been told to him. Oh, okay. By family and friends. Well, no, no. What this I'm saying is his opinion. What I'm saying is I could see where the author would state this. Yeah. And then state, well, it's not Bruce, but Bruce was always. They said Bruce was a champion of everything that Nancy wanted to do. Yeah. That he wouldn't go against things that were one of her passions. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay, gotcha. Seven. Uh, friends who knew the couple best state that Bruce would simply not have the capability to kill his wife. I can agree with that. There's absolutely no way that I would ever be able to do such a thing. Eight, 
Nancy was dedicated as a national leader to help needy people overcome abuse within Child Protective Services Organization. I think we covered that. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. She was uh, nine. She was actively exposing corruption within the Department of Family, Family and Child Services, including actions by the DFACS director in the county where she lived. I think we covered that. Ten, Nancy knew that she was needed in the fight against child sex slave trafficking in Atlanta, which has one of the highest activity rates in the country, 100% period. And the world. Uh that's what's so fucked up. Uh, Hartsfield Jackson Airport is the like the hub. It's the biggest airport in the in America at least. You go there, there are fucking signs everywhere telling you to be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for sex trafficking. Uh, and 11, finally, Bruce was highly supportive of Nancy's work for decades and would have little to no reason to suddenly try to kill her at such a critical juncture in her career. Those are 11 facts contesting that. However, what if he had a mental break? What if he just snapped? Well, I, what if what if they had a huge argument and this is all happenstance? Well, I would agree with that, but I'm going to shoot a, theory, a hole in that theory. I mean, shoot away, dude. That's what we're here for. With the gun. If you're going to have a break, you're not going to go out and buy a, an untraceable gun to kill your wife and kill Fair yourself. What if, what if he had that gun and we just didn't know that? What if he didn't even know it was untraceable? What if his buddy is a person-to-person sale? Well, it may have been, but he supposedly he has this gun that he kept in, I want to say, a nightstand or in the kitchen for self-defense, and that's the one he always practiced with is what I had read. So, yeah, I agree with you. We're on – We're it's kind of a count – a point counterpoint. Yeah, but practicing both with a, not. practicing with a gun for self defense is fine. I I practice with my forty five all the time, but I promise doesn't you doesn't mean you can't shoot a nine millimeter. I promise I you if I pull my wife's thirty eight and put it to my head, it's gonna go off. And it's gonna do the same um, thing. It's gonna serve the same purpose. Yeah, exactly. I mean you don't need practice with point blank. You just don't. I agree. So I mean we Yeah, we've shot holes in each theory. It's just I lean more to the fact that they did not kill themselves. I, I I tend to think that, but I would more likely agree with just one rogue person that was pissed off yeah. rather than the big cabal of evil people. Just because I don't want to believe in a big cabal of evil people. Especially when it comes to dealing with children. Even though we know it's true. I mean, sex trafficking is a very um, lucrative. lucrative operation and there are people out there that do it. But I don't... To think that there's... I, I don't know. You think... You are, I mean, to say it was a hired hit, I don't think so. I don't think that's I'm it. I'm thinking somebody was aware of what she was doing, was not happy about what she was doing, or and took care of it. Or someone thought that she was about to uncover something about them, and it's just a peon, and they take matters into their own hands. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's just... That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't know. I, hell, I would be looking at the damn director of DFACS in Habersham County after she is... Letting a known abuser. That's the first person I would look yeah. at. Yeah. I want to know. The other thing that I couldn't find, and I didn't dig real hard, I'm sure that we could go up there if we were, if this was our only job, I would like to see the autopsy reports. I would love to see the toxicology screens. You know, where did she, was she shot? In the home. Where on her body was she shot? How yeah. was he shot? Where was he shot? That's true. I would like to see that. I would love to hear all of that. Yeah, but, that's good. You know, you. I didn't see anything out there that would lend credence to the fact that this was basically within 10 minutes of them rolling up on the scene. That, yeah. That's a murder-suicide. That's it, boys. Yeah, and, you know, you can, you can, 
And it sounds like the sheriff in that county was on her side. You know, when you see, um, yeah. But when you see, like, the media is already reporting it, you can easily go, oh, there's the conspiracy right there. It's the it's the big global elite. No, it's just, it could just be they're making an assumption to, to make the story by the deadline. Maybe see, maybe there's news at 10, and yeah. they got to have that shit in. You know what I'm saying? The other thing that I lead, well, that I'll go against the media and even the GBI in this situation, is you collect the evidence and let the evidence lead you to your conclusion. And like we have stated- Yeah, yeah in, we've seen that a bunch in this podcast, is we've got conclusions that they're trying to prove. Right, and then the other thing- Rather we, than investigate and find the truth. The other thing that we came upon is that as coroners and medical examiners, you're you can't reach a suicide di- conclusion until everything else has been thrown out, and you start every death as a murder. Yeah. So I, again, I would love to know what the medical examiner found, what the police found. If this is an open and closed case, there should have been something out there that stated, "Hey, he was found with the gun in his left hand, and he was shot in his left temple." Mm-hmm. You know, if if he's found with a gun in his left hand and he's got a bullet hole in his, in it, the entry wounds on his right temple, you know, there's we got a problem. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I do too. But I, again, though, this was one of the hardest cases that we've ever had to do, and we've tried to stay away from a lot of cases that deal with children because that's, you know, we teach children, and but we both teach different age groups and. But they're still somebody's baby. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, again, I just, this is a hard one to to swallow. Uh, recommendations? Uh, well, I am going to recommend something very wholesome and nice because of this, such a horrible freaking case and all the things that you uncovered. You know, my bullet points didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel ashamed at the the lack of digging I did, but thank God you're part of this. Even though the people tune in, for me, I think they just don't appreciate how much you do for this podcast. You know, so let's um, just uh, let's just thank my um, my wife for allowing me to uh, dive down the rabbit hole every once in a while. But go <laughs> ahead, your your recommendation is. Uh, it's a Facebook page, actually, and it's called Heckin' Big Group of Dank Doggos. <laughs> Say that again. Heckin' Big Group of Dank Doggos. My wife and I love this page. It is amazing because all it is is pictures of dogs, memes of dogs, and videos of dogs. And it's beautiful. It's it's my favorite page on Facebook. We love it. So if you want wholesome, nice things after listening to this bullshit... Go ahead and follow that page. There's there's two pages. One of them's got like 400 people. Don't do that one. Another one's got like 100-something thousand. So it will make your Facebook feed a lot better. It won't be all COVID. It won't be all politics. It won't be all dumb people from your hometown spewing, spewing their very poor opinion on everything. So just follow that page and give it a look-see. That's what I got. Well, I'm going to stay with the murder, <laughs> uh, but it's, and the only reason I am going to recommend this is when I was a kid, we would get, we finally got Channel 5 where I live, 
And so they Which would, is Fox. It's Fox, Atlanta Fox. affiliate of Fox. And they always did the local news in Atlanta. And they if there was a murder or a killing in Atlanta, they would always show the Atlanta Homicide Bureau, oh, the detectives. You, yeah, I got you. And when I was a kid, those were the coolest guys, man, because they still wore suits, shirt and ties, but they also wore fedoras. Fedoras. And they all had to wear some type of fedora. You had to have. That was a thing in the homicide department. And I thought that was so cool that they wanted to separate themselves. You know, it's kind of like the Texas Rangers. You, when you roll up, you know that's an Atlanta detective because he's got that hat on, just like you know that's a Texas Ranger because his balls drag behind him. Do not. Do not. Compare a fedora to a cowboy hat. Just, I'm just saying. Just don't do it. But anyway, as a child, I thought that was the coolest thing. That and I had a cousin that was a lead detective down there. Distant cousin. So I stumbled across this show that I'm recommending on uh, Amazon Prime. The first season is free right now. It is ATL Homicide, Real Detectives, Unreal Stories. And the first season, they dive into a weird case of a young lady that was found shot in the back six times, naked in Piedmont. No, I'm sorry, not in Piedmont Park. In a park in Atlanta. I will not say which one. You just said Well, it's not Piedmont. I thought it was Piedmont, but it's not. You just said it. But anyway, it is a they great were found show. found in Piedmont Park, but I'm not going to say which park it was. It's not Piedmont. It's some <laughs> other park. It's the only reason I'm crawfishing on that one. The thing that I like is these guys... They show the thought process of some of these detectives and how they have become 15, 17, 20-year veterans of this department, and it is awesome. And they are characters, too. I mean, there's a couple of those guys, man, I would love to go have a beer with and, and just pick their brains. But anyway, that's my recommendation. In closing, I want to thank all our patrons, all of our reviewers, all of the people that are going jumping on social media that wished us well wishes in this time, especially you. If if you do happen to have it in your heart to um, support us on Patreon or give us a recommendation, that'd be great. But especially on Patreon, I uh, just want to assure you that 100% of all the money we're getting from Patreon is going right back into the podcast, whether that be buying us a six-pack or buying us the new equipment that you may be enjoying because there's no more cricks pops cricks pops and all that stuff we this equipment is amazing and we bought it specifically because of people that were kind enough to support us financially if you don't want to support us financially and you just want to keep listening do that too we appreciate it but give us a shout out talk to us on social media let us know you're out there we 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 pretty much get back to every person also I would like to let everyone know that we are going to be putting out some kind of poll, some kind <laughs> of something that we're looking at doing some t-shirt sales. Oh, yeah, we do. We, and we're going to do a pre-sale on these t-shirts. They're going to be do a, we Did we give the lady that gave us those t-shirts a shout out last week? I think we did. We did when she sent them. I think that's right before you got sick. Ugh. Shush. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, but we will. She will be the one that uh, we ultimately go with, and let them produce the shirts for us. So we're giving back to our small little community, 
you know, she reached out to us and gave us a um, two two sample shirts with our logo on it, and so which are they fit nice? They're God, they're smooth. super soft, man. God, they're super soft. But anyway, that if you buy one of these t-shirts, it will become your favorite t-shirt just because of the material. But anyway, we're going to put out some. Uh, we're going to put out the pictures of the t-shirts, uh, what they will look like. We'll also. We need to get a good barometer on how many people are interested to see if it's even worth us getting her to do it. Yeah, it's a pre-sale thing because we don't got the money. To yeah, we can't <laughs> we can't front it. <laughs> but anyway, also we're looking at possibly tying some kind of blog to our podcast so that each week, if you're interested in the episode, you can continue the discussion. Oh, that would be cool. And we can break it up. I, I just have to figure out how to do it and how to host it and what we need to do. But anyway, those two things, look for that kind of blog thing to come. We'll make a huge deal out of that when we do release it. But as soon as you hear this episode, hopefully we will have the design of the T-shirt up and the poll on whether or not our listeners are interested in purchasing said t-shirt. We would highly recommend you purchase it. It would make us happy. It would make our friend in Arkansas that's going to do the t-shirts for us extremely happy. They love us in Arkansas. They, they didn't do. at first. No, I don't think they did at first. They did not at first. But Well, Coach, do you have anything else on uh, Miss Nancy Schaefer? There's only one thing left to do now, Pinky. <laughs> Is that deuces?